Welcome to Engaged Company Culture, a podcast directed at you, helping you to stop the employee exodus in your organization. This podcast has three different types of episodes. First, you have tips, tricks, observations, stories, research from me, Dr. Katherine Weiberg of Profitable Alignment. Second, interviews with other consultants, other coaches who are here to serve you so you can learn other tips and tricks to engaging your employees, to stop the employee exodus, to consciously create and continue a company culture where people want to be and where they encourage other people to come to work and to become your customers. Third, I interview other business leaders who have engaged company cultures and want to share their stories. You might learn from them how they have applied principles of company culture to increase their employee retention, increase their profits, increase their productivity, and increase everyone's job satisfaction. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. On today's Engaged Company Culture podcast, I welcome Mike Bachia, who has been in sales and marketing for over 25 years. He's been called a serial entrepreneur since starting his first business, Landscaping, at 15. Then came a limo company while attending Hofstra University, a nightclub at 21, a restaurant at 23, and the list goes on. Mike really honed his sales skills as a licensed advisor with Transamerica Financial Advisors, where he had hundreds of clients in several states without ever having a customer complaint. How many of us can say that? That is, that is huge. Other reps saw Mike's success and started asking for his help. And of course, he was happy to oblige. Eventually, he began opening successful financial offices and training advisors to work in them. After seeing the rapid growth, Transamerica soon had Mike speaking at conferences, flying to other offices to train, and attending high-level meetings to discuss the future of the firm. Mike eventually left the financial industry and ventured into the technology space, where he founded I Decide Interactive. Mike is now an author, speaker, coach, CEO, and most importantly, a father to his two beautiful daughters. Mike, welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me, appreciate it. You've done so many entrepreneurial pursuits. You've tried so many things, you have excelled and it seems you have enjoyed it. What advice would you give to other leaders? Well, you know, it's funny. I find today, especially more so than in the past with the TikTok generation, social media, I find that people expect things to be easy. Mm. You know, people see the people on social media, the quote unquote influencers, they, they're out there, you know, taking pictures of them on private jets and, you know, yachts and trying to make it look like business is an overnight success. So the advice I would have is just know in advance, it's going to be hard. But that's okay. You know, it's, it's, 
I think if you go into it thinking it's going to be easy and then you you're shocked when you hit uh, obstacles or you know experiences setbacks but I think if you know in advance okay this is going to be hard it's a, it's supposed to be hard but that's okay mm-hmm. you're going to get through it and I've never met a successful person yet who has said oh it was a piece of cake <laughs> just I have maybe they're out there but I've never met one so that's probably the biggest piece of advice I would have that's fantastic. The wonderful thing about it is that if you think about it, if success were easy, if entrepreneurship were easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. And if you look at the history of an overnight success, it's never overnight. It's just that overnight people have become aware of it. Exactly. You yeah. never, you never track oh my goodness this person was working for seven years out of the garage or out of the basement or doing this as a side hustle it's oh my goodness Mike Machia is a millionaire how did that happen and oh do you do you want to know how hard this was yeah it's so funny I have a friend of mine who's an actor and it's especially in that field Right. Because once they pop right, then they're they're everywhere. You see them everywhere. And that they use that term, their overnight sensation where, you know, they came out of nowhere. You you didn't see the 10 years they've already spent going to audition after audition and not booking anything. And then all of a sudden, once they popped, now they're an overnight sensation in your eyes, but not not in reality. Exactly. Exactly. It's just that all of a sudden over somebody else's night, (laughs) somebody has come into the view. Yeah. But I think, like you said, that's what it, that's what makes it worth it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I use the example of uh, the Rocky. I love I love the, the Rocky series. And, and, and I tell, you know, if Rocky were fighting a wimp, you know, a 95 pound guy, then it wouldn't be a good story. Right. There would, mm-hmm. you would watch. But because he's fighting a bigger, more, you know, uh, experienced opponent or more threatening opponent, that's what makes it good that's what we want to see that's why that's what makes the payday like you said nobody's going to pay him anything to fight a 95 pound wimp right but when you're fighting someone that's bigger than you and you're the underdog and in business you're the underdog or in leadership in general even if it's not business you know whether you're running a nonprofit or a school or or whatever it's just the the, the size of the opponent de- de- determines the the um, you know the greatness of the outcome i think i love that I love that. The size of the opponent, also the size of the inspiration. So who inspires you? Who do you follow and why? I follow a lot of different people. You know, I I think mentors are in, incredibly important. So if I had to give a second piece of advice, it would be to find a mentor uh, for your business um, because people have been through what you're going through. So there's no reason for you to go it alone, especially now on, with the internet. I mean, it's easy to find the, the right mentors and, and so much information is available for free. Um, but I, I think it's also important to find a mentor in different areas of your life, not necessarily one person that you're gonna follow blindly. You know, mm-hmm. when I was starting out in business, I would find uh, the best mentor to help me in that particular business but they were not necessarily great with their own finances. So okay, I'm going to take what they know about business, but I've got to find another financial mentor. And then, okay, now this person's not really living the family life that I want to live. So I'm going to find another inspiration, another mentor in that area of my life. So I kind of look at it as every, all of our lives, we're kind of like the CEO of our life and we have different departments, 
right? I have mm-hmm. my life, my family life, my business life, my financial life, um, my give back, you know, my, um, um, my whatever it is that I choose to do in order to give back. So, uh, you know, I think it's important to find mentors in each of those areas. So maybe you want to in- improve your spiritual life and you say, okay, I'm going to follow like a Jay Shetty and just have his, you know, mental calmness, which I do follow him as for that. <laughs> I, I love to be more like a monk, right? Um, and then different mentors as far as, you know, each of those departments of my life goes. So I don't think there's really just one, but I think we should have many. Why not? I love that. I love that you talked about having mentors for different parts of your life, recognizing that each person has different strengths. You have different strengths. Maybe as you find somebody who can help in this area, you might be able to help that person in something where you are strong. Or somebody will look at you and say, oh, Mike is so amazing at at especially sales, for example, or technology, and say, maybe he can mentor me because I have a passion there, but I don't have everything that I need. Yeah. And then building on that. Yeah, because, and, and, you know, even myself, so people that I mentor, I don't expect them to blindly follow me. That would be ridiculous, right? So maybe I'm a little more of a risk taker than they care to be. Well, that doesn't mean you should say to yourself, okay, I need to become more of a risk taker maybe in some regard, but if that doesn't make you feel comfortable, then you go find someone else who's successful, but isn't as big of a risk taker, right? You're going to jive with that person and that's the way you'll grow. Uh, so yeah, very, very important, I think, to have many different people that you you follow and look up to and follow and mentor from, take mentorship from. I love that you mentioned that you can find people who are successful where you want to be successful and maybe the personalities don't jive or don't match up. So if, for I loved your example of risk-taking because there might be somebody who is successful because of his or her risk-taking, or there might be somebody who is successful without that risk-taking, and you can choose the mentor. Do you want to choose the one who's going to challenge your way of thinking and and make you uncomfortable and force you out of your comfort zone in that area? Or do you want to go to somebody who matches how you feel about things and still has found success and maybe challenge your tactics, not necessarily who you are, but your tactics for getting there. And you can take either avenue. Yeah, I know, it's a great example. I have. Somebody that I follow in business is partnered with another gentleman who's very successful in business, but they have different personalities. I mesh with one. The other one has an attitude. I mean, I heard him do a podcast or a video once and his his message was about competition and being aggressive in your business. And he said, you got to go after your competition. You got to eat them alive. You got to tear off their head and spit down their neck. And I, I was like, what the heck? That is not me as a person. You know, I don't, I don't believe somebody has to lose in order for me to win. That's just not my worldview. Right. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, he's not the person I want to follow. He's, he's making a lot of money, very successful. That works for him. God bless. It's not what I want to do. So, you know, don't feel like, oh, my gosh, I have to get more aggressive and I have to learn to rip off their heads. No, you don't. You don't. You're good enough the way you are. 
just find someone who is just like you, who has made it to, you know, to, to where you want to go and you'll be fine. You don't need to change who you are as a person to be successful, I don't think. Oh, I love that. I love that. So with all of this that, that we've talked about so far, I'd like to hear something in your life experiences that has shaped who you are today. You know, it's it's horrible. Well, it's not horrible. It's <laughs> counterintuitive, really, I think, when you say this, but I think it's the failures mm. that have been today, which again, nobody wants to go through them, right? I mean, when I used to travel with um, Transamerica to do the, the speaking for the, the different conventions and offices, and we, I would ask them when I'm preparing for the talk, I'd say, you know, when they asked me to come speak, I'd say, fine, you know, I can speak on all these different topics. What would you like me to talk about? And they would always say, well, we heard your story. We want you to tell your story. Mm. And I said, oh, I said, can't you choose something else? My story's <laughs> hard. You know, I don't want to tell that story over and over again because it's a story of bankruptcy. It's a story of, you know, struggle. It's a story of, but, but it's that Rocky story, right? Where you mm -hmm. overcome that and then you win people want to hear that story but you know so I think what the the experiences that have made me who I am or the struggles and the failures because they've taught me humility they've taught me to be less of a risk taker they've taught me to balance my life a little better instead of you know going all in on business or all in and I think you have to go temporarily out of balance in life in order to achieve permanent balance but there's still mm. some type of a balance. So you're not totally neglecting your kids as you're building your business and so forth. But um, so that was a really long answer to your short question. But I think um, the experiences that I've benefited from the most in the long term, which again, you don't see when they're happening, right? You of just, course. I'm going through hell. <laughs> well, I always tell people, yeah, if you're going through hell, then go faster. Go there through. You go. It's, it's not, I'm, I'm, you know, it's the phrase is I'm going through hell. Well, then get the heck through it already. You know, uh -huh. don't, don't try and find ways to avoid it or you know, just go through it. You're being taught something. So learn it or else the universe will keep teaching you that lesson until you do learn it. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. I admit one of my uh, favorite country songs, which is now old is called if you're going through hell and it talks about if you're going through hell keep on going and oh. get out before the devil even knows you're there i love it and that's exactly what you're saying it's the rocky story it's the it was horrible and i got through it it was hard and i learned it's the opportunity to really embrace appreciatively what you've gone through one of the things that I teach leaders and organizations and individuals is to reframe those experiences, find in those experiences new perspectives, new learnings. How did you become stronger? What would you do differently? Because as you reframe it, you gain benefit. So even if it was hell at the moment, you're going to gain benefit. And in one way or another, it's going to become heaven, either for you or for somebody else because of what you've learned as a result. So good. Yeah, a pastor I heard, this struck me, you know, sometimes you hear things and they hit you like a lightning bolt. I was in church one day and the pastor was talking about overcoming adversity. 
And he said, eventually your test will become your testimony. And I yes. said, gosh, that is so true. But mm-hmm. you know, if you don't quit, right, that's the whole point. You know, so I have uh, friends that are going through struggles and I said, look, well, what are your options? You're going to quit now? Then what? what uh-huh. Misery was for nothing. So you're, you've been, you're, you're halfway there or three quarters away or 20%, whatever it is, just finish it. And now you've got a hell of a story. And, you know, it's like the, uh, the analogy of the, the dog in the front yard with an electric fence. If he would just run through that electric fence, he'd experience a, a little temporary pain. But on the other side of that fence is the, all the freedom in the world. He could do whatever he wants, right? But most people go up to the fence, they get shocked. And then they stop and they go, oh, that hurt. I'm going to withdraw, retreat. So it's just run through it and it's got to be done. There's no easy way. Just like going to the gym, it's going to hurt, but there's no other way to get fit without it. Right. So it's just a good kind it. of hurt. Yeah. Because <laughs> the reward is worth it. Right. But that's, I guess, sometimes people don't think the reward is worth it. So maybe they might be saying to themselves, I don't know if it's worth this pain. Well, that's mm-hmm. a decision that has to be made too. How bad do you want it? That's another country song I used to know when I, um, that was an old one, right? How bad do you want it? And it's, um, and it's, it's, it's true. And your why has to carry you through all those tough times till you get through to the other side. Absolutely. It's- oh, this is fantastic. So we've talked a lot about your individual journey, the individuals that you follow, what you would say to leaders. Let's apply all of this to organizations. How would you take these experiences, these stories, this advice, and apply it to organizations to engage their company culture to become stronger, so forth? Yeah, well, you know, the from a leader perspective, I think if the leader understands that they're going through some tough times, that, but again, if their attitude is right and they understand, okay, this is this too shall pass, right? And I just have to work my way through it, then their their team will will feel that as well. Because I think mm-hmm. people are very intuitive. And if you know mm-hmm. the speed of the leader is the speed of the pack. So if you're stressed and you're down, that is going to come across in, the, in your team, right? They're going to know that. They're not stupid. Even if you don't say it, they just feel it. So, you know, I, I, I think maintaining the proper attitude, of course, is always key. But I think also, I talk a lot about caring. You know, you mentioned earlier in my introduction that I had, you know, hundreds of clients when I was in the financial customer complaint, which I guess just from hearing that if you're not, it's kind of sounds, oh, well, you shouldn't have a complaint. But in that industry, it's very common to have customer complaints because when people lose money, they feel like they have to blame somebody, right? right. And I was in it for 18 years. We saw market spikes, market crashes, and I still never had a customer complaint. And that's because I really genuinely cared about my clients. I mean, right before the 2008 crash, I literally was going door to door to my clients. I went to, I was a Sunday morning, I remember, knocking on my client's door, basically saying, the sky is falling. You know, we need to do something. And they were like, what are you here on a Sunday morning? I said, I left you messages. You didn't pick up, you didn't call. We have to do something to protect your money. And I think because I really cared about 
about them losing money. I, I, I invested in their future, um, not, not financially, emotionally and, and, and mentally. So, and the same is true with an organization. I think if you really care about your employees, you care about staff, you care about your team, you can, I think that comes through, even when you're having a tough time, the team will feel that, but that you still care and that it's important to you and you're spiritually engaged and mentally and emotionally engaged and the I'll respect that and that culture will survive that tough period. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. We've seen through research and studies that have been done the last few years with COVID and what has been called the great resignation that people who are leaving will primarily cite that they didn't feel valued or they didn't feel connected. They felt like they were just a number and they were not they didn't feel that anybody cared about them in the organization. They weren't engaged. It wasn't just the paycheck. So exactly like you're saying, if the sky is falling, how are we going to protect our people? Yeah. How are we going to get them to know you're valuable more than just to the bottom line? Yes, you feed the bottom line, but you're valuable as a person. Yeah. It's funny. We just did our annual reviews um, at the end of the year, of course. Um, and one of the questions that I ask is, you know, I ask a series of questions during the review and I said, you know, what do you think you're doing well? What do you think you think you can improve on? What do you yeah. think the company is doing well and what can we improve on? Excellent. And then most importantly, where do you want to be in five years and how can we help you get there? I'm not asking you to commit to staying here for five years, although I'd love you to. But what are some things that you want to learn and how and grow and how can we help you do that? And, you know, the response is that, well, I want to get better at, uh, at this. I said, OK, so maybe we can pay for a course for you to take. They'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's great. So but it's interesting that idea to ask that question about where they want to be and what we can do to help came from one of our employees. Perfect. And, she said, you know, hey, you know, this is really important to people nowadays. They want to know you care and they really do want to grow and, and, and learn. And I said, wow, I never thought of that. So, again, it goes back to caring and respecting the input of everybody on your team and not being the hard nosed leader who we're going to do it this way. And I'm closed off to all suggestions and recommendations because the best ones come from the team. Right. So, yeah. And I, I, I just believe in. in creating that culture really led and I believe me I don't I don't think I do it enough either I think it's something we all need to improve upon but you know add, you know just simple things like buying everybody a coffee on the way to the office one day you know um can we work from home today my dog is sick yes of course you know little things like that let them know okay at least he understands and he appreciates me as a person but I think that's becoming more commonplace nowadays Thank God, but I don't know. I still think we all need to get better at it. I agree. And we find as time goes on that the little things were not little. As you do the, the quote unquote small things, oh, wow, that made a big difference because you cared enough to do the small thing. You have created a, a culture of growth, a culture of improvement, recognizing that 
you'll never be perfect, but you'll always be better. And caring about your front line because your front line understands all of the weeds of the business. They understand where are the roses, where are the dandelions, where are the noxious weeds. You know, dandelions have benefit as well, but there are some weeds that are going to kill everything. And they're going to be able to tell you, well, what can we do instead? I love that you listened to your employee who brought that up. And then you showed that person, you know what, we are listening. And that is valuable. And we do care about what you have to say. So maybe other people have things they can share. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah and as leaders, you know, sometimes because we have so many plates we're spinning that it's easy to let that one fall, you know, mm -hmm. really attention to the employees and the company and the culture. So I love that you do this podcast because it is so important. And, you know, we're dealing with, you know, technology challenges, customer challenges, banking issues, the, you know, all the different plates that we spin. And then we take for granted the people that are really making it all happen in the first place. It's so easy to do, but mm -hmm. so important not to do. So, yeah, it's, I need to get better at it all the time. I think we all do. Which is a fantastic goal always to be never beating yourself up, but still getting better all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you find most rewarding in your work right now? Um, you know, I, to me, when a customer calls and, and you know, comments on, on the experience they've had, and we get this all the time, thank God. I mean, it's something that we really focus on is, customer service, customer satisfaction. So when we get emails like, man, you're the first company, we got this one a couple of weeks ago. You're the first company we've ever worked with that actually did what they said they were going to do and actually went above and beyond that. Wow. And, you know, customer service, you know, your customer service team is awesome. They're so, they're so kind and so effect, so efficient. Um, all, so hearing that, you know, is because it, we can do everything we can on our end, but if they don't see it, then what's the point, right? right. So you'll be the greatest company in the world with no customers, you'll be out of business. So you have to make sure you're keeping your house in order and the culture right and the employees happy and running the business right. But from the outside looking in, I see that a lot. Companies focus more on what they're seeing, what their employees see or what's happening inside and don't stop to take a look and say, okay, now what is our customer saying? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's so important. We just actually did it with a, a new system. We just built a new product. And now I, I just said the other day, I said, you know, we haven't looked at the customer facing tool yet, not mm -hmm. yet, but in a while. Let's revisit that. You know, it's been a couple of months. Let's see exactly because we've made improvements to it, but let's see what they're seeing. And is it as easy as we think it is? Maybe it's not. Maybe the first thing they see is getting overwhelmed and they're they're scared. So, you know, that's just always being aware of our customers. So I think to me, that's important. You know, um, I just love hearing the, the customer feedback and the positive experiences they're having. Thank you. Yeah. If somebody wants to reach out to you after listening to or viewing this podcast, what is your preferred or the best way for someone to reach you? Well, I'm... Getting better at social media. 
but I'm not there yet. So you probably just go to my website, mikebaccia.com. And, you know, just you can sign up for a newsletter and learn when I'm going to be speaking or on podcasts and so forth. Um, but that's probably the best way now. And as I get better at social media, you'll know about it there as well. That's just something that I need to improve on. It's something I've been fighting for years, but it's it's not going away. So. Very good. Oh, that is fantastic. And all of your links will be in the show notes. But I always like to find out what is your preferred? What's the easiest way? I appreciate so, that. From this conversation, what do you most want listeners and viewers to remember or take away? Again, again, kind of back to the first thing I said earlier, but I think it's so important, it's worth repeating, where, you know, it's going to be hard. Building a business, leading a team, leading an organization is hard. Um, so if you're looking for the get rich quick deal, let me know when you find it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never found it yet, and I've been doing this for decades. I don't know anybody else who's found it. So stop looking for it and just focus more on, okay, how do I just get through the hell and get to where I want to be, get very clear on my goals, make sure I accomplish those goals, make sure that goal is also benefiting other people in the process. Um, I think that's incredibly important, you know, help enough people get to where that, what they want, you'll get what you want. Um, so I think that's the main thing it's but yeah i don't want it to come off as a downer either like oh my gosh this guy's so negative I, be, being hard is not a negative in my opinion it's just what has to be done so you get it done simple just get it done. i agree being yeah. hard builds strength we yeah. go back to rocky yeah. his training regime was not easy but look at all of the strength that he developed including his internal locus of strength, not only his physical strength, but who he was in himself. Yeah. It has to be hard to build character. But if you look at it over the long term of the course of your life, the amount of time that you have to spend in that quote unquote hell is not that long. Not right? really. Sitting down with somebody once, and again, one of those things that just hit me, and she was telling me about all these things that have happened in her life in the, like a short three month period or whatever it was, you know, I got foreclosed on, I got sick and my mom died or whatever the case was. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And she goes, oh, that's okay. It's just a frame in a movie. Oh, and I love that. It was awesome, wasn't it? Just one frame in a movie. That's like, wow, that's so true. But while we're going through, we feel like, man, this is the whole film. Right. Like, just one frame, you'll get through it and the rest of the movie will be awesome. So. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I just might incorporate that into my reframe, rewrite, redesign model because, or at least in my explanation, because I absolutely love that. It was awesome, wasn't it? It was great. Yes. Mike, thank you so much for your time here today. I hope that everybody else has enjoyed this at least as much as I have. Your insights are fun, your personality is fun, and your story is inspiring. I love what you're doing to help other organizations, other leaders, and that you just keep on moving. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for all you do. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to or viewing today's Engaged Company Culture episode. I hope you have enjoyed the episode. I hope you have learned something and have something that you can apply today to engage your company culture and encourage your employees to enjoy work. Looking forward to Mondays instead of only looking forward to Fridays.
If you liked this episode, please share it with someone else you know. Also, like and subscribe to Engaged Company Culture anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you and have a wonderful day.